Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 98, CERN and Spiritual Portals, part one. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm John Potts. And we are here with another episode to show you the things that the world doesn't want you to know that are hidden in your Bible. What should we talk about today, John? It's going to be juicy stuff, Scott. Juicy. juicy. <laughs> you know, CERN has been in the news lately, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure a lot of people know exactly what the CERN Collider is. So we're going to call this episode CERN and Spiritual Portals. Okay. Because I think we may find that something not necessarily uh, scientific is going on in Geneva, Switzerland. Yeah. Have you heard of the CERN Collider? Is that something you're familiar with? So I have because I was able to do a little research before I came. But... Oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. But other than that, um, I mean, it's all over the news right now. Right? Yeah, it's over um, the news because it kind of restarted after about a three-year hiatus. Mm -hmm. And the, But one thing I did remember... Um, since it has popped back up in the news, is that this in Geneva is not the first time. It was actually supposed to be in Texas previously back in the 90s. If you remember, it had been approved to be in Texas, and then the, the plug had been pulled on it. Interesting, and it makes me wonder why. Did you in your research? Did you happen so to find the, why the, the blood was pulled? I'm sure there's some good stuff to dig into there <laughs> because it was uh, Bill Clinton was the president at the time. Okay, they had just elected a Republican governor, I think, or governor or senator, but something political okay. there didn't jive between those two parties, so it got shut down. And now this is just one theory that was on the internet, right? You can find all kinds of sure. stuff. Sure. But anyways, the original one was supposed to be just. I think just south of Waxahachie, which is just south of Dallas, yeah. for folks that are from outside of tex Texas. And it was going to be a little bit smaller than the one that's in Geneva. Yeah. Interesting. So. Well, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Maybe Texas dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, we're going to open a portal in Texas. I mean, at least it'd be overseas now, right? Well, that's that right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. So I'm glad you shared that, John, because I really didn't know. <clears throat> that Texas was the original source of it. But for the listeners out there who may be completely unfamiliar with it, let me mm -hmm. give you just a little bit of background. This is information you can find on the websites, uh, on the internet. It's publicly available. And it is essentially what they are saying they're doing. Uh, we may dig a little deeper than that to see if maybe there's something behind that that's mm -hmm. not exactly what they're telling us. But CERN is just an acronym, probably in French, for the European Organization for Nuclear Research. And they are the group that funded and built the Large Hadron Collider. And that is the world's most powerful 
particle accelerator. It's in Geneva, Switzerland. So should have been, could have been in Texas, uh-huh. but now it's over there in the Alps, right? Uh, and these particles that when they accelerate them, they race around about a 17 mile underground circular track at nearly the speed of light. And these particles are guided by a series of superconducting magnets. And the idea is these researchers want to smash the particles together to try to recreate the conditions that they believe occurred about a billionth of a second after the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Scientists believe that the universe yeah. started with the Big Bang. They don't want to acknowledge God. So they say it's a Big Bang, and it's the largest scientific instrument that's ever been created. So to give you some idea of its size and scope. And what they're hoping is that the result could create new particles, never seen before to answer certain questions. So I'm not a physicist. I don't want to bore the listeners with a physics lesson. But some of us kind of remember a little bit in school about atoms and mm-hmm. neutrons and protons and electrons. So evidently, there's particles smaller than those, and they get into the quantum realm of physics. And mm-hmm. quarks are one of them. Bosons are another. And that word boson is going to come back into play because there's a Higgs boson particle that we're going to find was discovered the first time this Large Hadron Collider was ever run. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So according to some of the websites, the questions these physicists are trying to answer by colliding these particles together is why do objects have mass? Yeah. All right. What is dark matter? You've probably heard of that term before, dark matter. Yeah. And then they also want to be able to find other dimensions of time and space. Now, they say that the main objective is to find out more about how our universe works. Yeah. But things that triggered thoughts in my mind were dark matter and other dimensions. Exactly. Which sounds like we're getting outside the realm of just purely science and possibly into the realm of what we might call spiritual So have they specifically said that they're looking for dark matter or that they want to find out what dark matter is? Yes. When you look at their goals, right? Right. Uh, they are looking for, and they have discovered what they call the the God particle, right? Which is what you just mentioned, the Higgs. Higgs boson. Boson, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but are they saying that's their specific goal, or are we kind of deriving that? They're saying that's their goal to discover these things we talked about, yeah. find other dimensions of time and space, et cetera. Okay. okay. And to understand what dark matter is and things like that. But just the very name dark matter yeah. implies something that's uh, otherworldly, yeah. maybe, and other dimensions. And so um, when you talk about, and again, this is from the National Science Foundation. This information is like, I'm not making these things up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speculate in a moment. But Mm -hmm. I'm just reading their own, um, I don't want to call it propaganda, but their own dissertations or their own explanations of what the purpose of the super collider is. Yeah. Okay. And so ultimately what they're trying to do, according to them, is to find an extra spatial dimension or wormhole. You ever heard that phrase from science fiction, Star Trek, to make interstellar travel possible. 
Okay. So one of the things that they can uh, understand the power of or the or understand what dark matter is and, and dimensional space is to find a way to make interstellar travel possible. Uh, and that makes me think of like UFOs and whatever. Yeah. Could, are they already existing or possessing this technology? And then they, they can't... Uh, create a black hole like uh, the the size of like the movie Interstellar, yeah. which, you know, did all this kind of stuff. But they are trying to create a microscopic black hole to investigate gravity's effect on time and, and okay. other things. So you're getting almost science fiction-y thinking, but physicists are always trying to push the boundaries, yeah. you know. And then finally, another thing, thing that they claim is they also want to discover hidden forces that we don't currently have access to in this dimension. Yeah. Now it starts getting a little scary. Yeah, it's getting weird now. Well, when you think about <laughs> science advancing the uh, the splitting of the atom and the production of the hydrogen bomb and the devastation that that occurred, yeah. that, that that created, then we start asking: Should we even be looking into these things? You know, or or is it really that they're wanting to uh, benefit and advance mankind, or are they trying to tap into? something from a scientific point of view that is actually a satanic spiritual portal yeah. of some kind. So if you were to discover dark matter, and from what I understand, dark matter is still, they don't even know if it exists, right? It's still yeah. a hypothesis. Theoretical, yeah. yeah. But, if you, but what they're saying is that dark matter makes up 67% of the universe, something right? Something like that, yeah. And if you're able to, quote unquote, harness dark matter mm -hmm. and somehow... Um, use it, then you could effectively travel through time and space, interstellar travel, right? Right. So it, I think the way I understand it, and again, if our listeners are in fact scientists, feel free to correct me because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a musician <laughs> and a Bible scholar, but not a scientist. But I understand that, for example, the speed of light is a constant. And that's an understood theoretical okay. principle, you know. So there's a there's a there's a set thing. It's like gravity. It's, there's some things about it that, that are set. They're laws of physics, and they understand it. And to, we don't possess the power. Uh, the amount of energy it would take to travel at the speed of light is yeah. probably beyond comprehension of what we could do with our current technology. So it's theorized that a wormhole, if it could exist, is like. Uh, and now we're getting into things like string theory and whatever, but uh, mm -hmm. and it's really field theory when they when they describe it more accurately, which we'll get into in a minute. But it's almost like if you took a piece of paper and you folded it, and yeah. like um, one edge of the page of the paper was one point in the universe, and the other edge was yeah. another point, and they're separated by millions of light years from each other. But if you folded the page and you brought the two ends together then the distance between them is relatively small, comparatively mm -hmm. speaking. And that is how a wormhole sort of works. It connects to very distant points through a portal that somehow is involved in some of these things we're discussing, dark yeah. matter, hyperdimensional space, whatever. Okay. And uh, all of this was only theoretical until th when they, interestingly enough, they first ran the, uh, the CERN, uh, Large Hadron Collider, or the LHC, on July the 4th, 2012. Okay. So we just celebrated the 4th of July here in 2022. So 10 years ago is when they first ran it, and that's when a new particle was discovered, which they called the God Particle. Yeah. 
And it, that's not that these scientists believe in a god or anything, but it was uh, it was properly named the Higgs boson particle, and it essentially was giving an explanation for something that had uh, eluded scientists for quite some time. So without getting into uh, particle theory and particle physics mm-hmm. and things like that, essentially it's described by these, this information comes from the National Science Foundation. And they say there's essentially fu- four fundamental forces that we understand in physics. Gravity, which we know, which we understand. Yeah. We, live, we see it every day. Electromagnetism which is also something we see every day. And it's a lot of things function based on that. Our electricity is a part of that. Magnetism is a part of that. So they combined them into Mm -hmm. a single force. And these forces, comparatively speaking, have long range. Like, you know, you could get in a rocket and it would take quite a distance to escape the pull of gravity of the earth. Yeah. If you could do so. Um, Whereas... There's nuclear forces, which are infinitesimally small. And when we say nuclear, we're not talking about like a nuclear bomb. We're talking about the nucleus of an atom. Okay. So these are forces that are very small. They're contained in a short distance, almost beyond microscopic. Yeah. And they're categorized as two, strong nuclear force and weak nuclear force. And even though they don't fully understand any of these forces completely, they have a better idea about gravity and electromagnetism than they do about nuclear forces. Okay. But the weak <clears throat> nuclear forces is within the nuclei of an atom or whatever. And it seems to be <clears throat> explained by this Higgs boson particle. Like it seems to be the field of energy that's holding everything together. That's my dog. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, it's holding everything together. And when I read that, that's when scripture started coming into my mind. Mm -hmm. Because I began to think, okay, well, if they call it a God particle, they may not be far from the truth. Because we're going to go to the book of Colossians, John, chapter 1. While we're going there, are they... Are they looking for, they are looking for an explanation or a true proof to the Big Bang Theory, right? So they're saying that this God particle essentially becomes what other particles are derived from? Yes. Is that correct? So it's, it's like it's if, the field in which all these other particles can exist and have their own forces and their own interaction and I'm oversimplifying it to the point where I'm sure a physicist would be embarrassed <laughs> to listen to this, but it's trying to bring it down to my level of understanding. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's the original particle, right? Yeah. So if if this particle instantaneously, and they're saying it's within a billionth of a second, which mm-hmm. I kind of challenge, can we measure a billionth of a <laughs> I know, second? Exactly. I, mean, I don't know, right? <laughs> Um, but anyways, if this particle can somehow come into existence or it's the original particle, I don't even understand that, right? But then it can create other particles that then just start moving around with energy smashing into each other. And then the whole Big Bang Theory happens. Is, well, that, is that the proof we're looking for here? I, I think or am proof, I way simplifying it? Yeah, well, now, you're, <laughs> you're asking a person that couldn't even answer that question without getting a physicist on, on a show. And maybe we should try to do that. Uh, and maybe we can find like a a believing physicist, you know, a yeah. Christian scientist. But um, as I understand it, the particle accelerator allows these particles to collide and create other particles. <clears throat> and when this happened back in 2012, that's when this Higgs boson particle was discovered. So it gave proof 
to the theory that there's some force, there's some field that is sort of like the singularity of forces that's holding everything else together. Okay. And therefore, they are able to extrapolate from that things about the origin of the universe. Interestingly enough, denying out of hand that they may have discovered the power that's holding it all together from the creator. Okay. And that's where I think Paul, the apostle, comes into the picture when we talk about the God particle. Because in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13, the uh, apostle writes... In reference to Jesus Christ, uh, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So the context is Christ, the dear son of God, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And he means every firstborn from the dead. Yeah. Because he rose from the dead. Verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. We think about particles or invisible. Yeah. Uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, and we're talking about a spiritual realm when we talk about those. Yeah. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. Principalities and powers, rather, don't mean necessarily human thrones. They could be angelic thrones or other worlds. And then he says, all things were created by him, Christ, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I recently interviewed uh, the author of Birthright, Timothy Albarino. We'll be releasing his uh, episodes in the coming weeks. And he calls Christ the singularity. He's the beginning, the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he's right. Yeah, That's what the scripture says. And he sees him in this passage the way scientists are looking at the Higgs boson of God particle that he's the force, he's the power behind it, he's the invisible thing that's holding all things together. And proof of that is that word consist. By him, all things consist. And so I looked up in the Strong's Concordance, the Greek word for consist is Mm -hmm. sunisteme. Sunisteme, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And it's got many (laughs) definitions from the Strong's to place together, to set in the same place to bring or band together, to stand with or near, to set one with another. And and that's almost picturing, you know, junior high physics of the atom and the nucleus and the protons and things like that, the periodic table. Uh, It means other things, but to be composed of, to unite parts into one whole, to put together. And I start thinking, he's that force. He's the power. What Star Wars calls the force is Christ. Not to them. I mean, it's the silly yeah. thing that they use, you know. <clears throat> but it kind of makes sense if you think about Christ as the power, and yet from him comes all thrones, dominions, principalities, like he said, bad ones too. Yeah. Not that he created them, or to be bad, he created them for his purpose, and they turn through free will yeah. to rebellion as the satanic angels did. And yet, ultimately, they won't even acknowledge that they their very existence depends on the force of him. They consist by him. Now, go ahead. Were you going to? I was just going to say that. <clears throat> so, if you're there's really two groups of people here, right? And maybe yeah. there's another group in the middle. I'm not recognizing here, but you've got Christians and you got atheists, right? Sure. If you're a Christian, you're using this passage through your own faith. You're reading this, and and it says that through God, all things consist. So our faith is that that's how the universe was created, right? Right. And 
if you're not a Christian, if you're an atheist, you're belief is that there was this big bang yeah. and it comes through this particle. So they're spending billions and billions <laughs> of dollars, right, to prove this theory so that they can be right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and interesting observation, because as the Christian, we see the source of that power is Christ and yeah. God, the creator. The atheist sees the force coming in the big bang, but he can't explain where it came from. Yeah. And they, but they they preclude God as a possibility, so they're still left with answers when we have an answer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so we go a little further than they can go, even with all the billions. Of so it's things. like you get the two sides, and then the, I guess the group in the middle are the people that are undecided that have to go. Okay, do I have faith in a creator, or do I am I going to wait around and see what happens with these certain people? Yeah. Faith, faith in <laughs> you know? science, and and what happens if it turns out like so many things in this world are that there's actually a sinister or ulterior motive, as there always is with human beings and money and power. Mm -hmm. And these people have money and they have power. They're funded. Um, so on the sinister part, are you going to... No, I'm sorry to jet in again. Are you going to talk about like their symbol that they have yeah. and, and uh, the statue that's in front of the building and the what Shiba, that thing yeah. means. I mean, because so there's some pretty sinister stuff there, right? There's some very sinister stuff. And what John is talking about is the very building that CERN is housed in, in Geneva, mm -hmm. has a statue that was donated by the Indian government of the goddess Shiva, yeah. who's the god of creation and destruction. And uh, it's an occultic symbol from yeah. the Hindu religion, but uh, it's it, and it even has an inscription uh, and I should have written down mm -hmm. what it was, but it's essentially, it's from a religious perspective. Strange yeah. that atheists would look at a religion, a non-Christian religion, but a religion nonetheless, uh, for inspiration of what they're doing. And she's surrounded in the statue by this ring that looks eerily similar to the um, the opening of the super, yeah. the collider. And uh, it just kind of makes you wonder. And then when we, we currently have things like um, uh, the Netflix series Stranger Things. And I don't know if you ever had a chance to go back and watch any of that. Uh -huh. But evidently, our government and then the Russian government in this fictional series opened a portal through some machine. Uh -huh. uh, uh, and actually, <clears throat> apparently it was done accidentally by this little girl when she was under an MK ultra mind control project. Yeah. Uh, and then, then later was reproduced through machinery by the Soviets in the eighties. And, uh, it's essentially, I think, I, I don't think fiction is only fiction. I, I believe yeah. that the symbolism of the occult and the satanic global elite is they are telling us what they're doing. And sometimes right under our nose as they're rubbing our face in it. Well, to that point. So this statue or this, uh, I don't even know the right term, deity, right? Mm -hmm. Shiva, um, through some kind of, um, and I'm going to mess all this up, so if you're out there and you <laughs> study this, then Please forget just, <laughs> yeah, but you reach a state of what's called moksha, mm -hmm. mokstra, something like that, and that is somehow, from what I understand, breaking the cycle of um life and then rebirth yes which to me sounds a lot like reincarnation maybe well, and that is the hindu principle reincarnation okay. is the is the idea that and it's a strange uh it's a very uh 
racist system, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. if people know anything about the caste system of India, yeah. um, essentially whatever um, you were born into, you remain. Yeah. So if you are one of the untouchables, which is the lowest form of the society, okay. you never can get reincarnated to, to reach a higher plane or higher level. Whereas the top ruling class humans are the Brahmins. Okay. And they are the ones that can be reincarnated into higher purposes like gods and things like that. And to me, it's all very reminiscent uh, or at least alluding to transhumanism. Yeah, absolutely. And evolution of us becoming more than humans to become gods. So if you can break that cycle, right, then you're trying to achieve... Godhood. Immortality. Yes. Right? Exactly. So that's kind of interesting that they would put that statue that represents trying to reach that state of yes. consciousness or whatever in front of the giant science experiment. Right. You know, or what are we trying to achieve here? There, there's it, the red flags are yeah. all over it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very much so. And the fact that um, this reincarnation through this Hindu goddess, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shiva, is the symbol of what they're trying to do, yet there are scientists that discard any religious thinking from a purely theoretical or physicist, yeah. physical point of view. Um, why use that as the symbol? Why even associate that with it? You know, why not just have the, you know, Albert Einstein as a statue yeah. <laughs> or, or somebody like that? So the, it just tells you that usually there's something more going on here. Yeah. And um, incidentally, we were talking about this Higgs boson as the God particle, which is was discovered from this very um, uh, large collider. And we just read this passage in Colossians about all things consist through Jesus Christ. And that Greek word that we saw for consist, which is sunisteme, is also used in 2 Peter chapter 3. I, I want to share this with our listeners because it's very interesting to me. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Uh, it's, it's about Peter talking about the prior world when he says, uh, verse 5, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. So we see a reference to creation here, John. Mm-hmm. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. 
And a lot of people think they, they read the flood of Noah into this. I don't. I see this as Genesis 1 verse 2. But more importantly, in connection to creation or renovation, the word standing out is consist. It's the same sunisteme. Okay. So the earth consisting of the water and in the water and, and, and being held together. It, it's the idea that we're still talking about creation. We're talking about the beginning. Mm -hmm. So Christ is the creator of all things. By him, all things consist. The earth consists by Jesus Christ. The yeah. forces, gravity, everything, the nuclear forces that are weak and the Higgs, but all of that is from Christ. So I thought, well, let's go back to the beginning and let's look at some things in the beginning of Scripture with this thought in mind. I won't reference the, the, the passage directly, but we talked about it before in, in Ecclesiastes 1 uh, that um, there's nothing new under the sun. So we're going to yeah. let that sort of guide our thinking because is this latest technology for uh, particle acceleration uh, brand new or has this been done before? Okay. Okay. So in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start with this idea of Adam. God makes man, and sometimes we're tempted to think he was innocent like a baby. And I don't mean without sin. He was without sin until the, the fall. But like he had the mentality of, a, of an infant or a child. And okay. I don't think that's true. They were as intelligent as God wanted them to be. And we have evidence that he was particularly intelligent. I mean, he could communicate. He had a language. In other words, he was not created a child that had to learn how to walk and crawl and speak. Yeah. He was created a man, probably 33 years old. Okay. Yeah, probably a fully grown man. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 18, we see evidence of, um, <clears throat> I think I'm in the wrong. I think you're looking at two. Chapter two, two. yeah, two, 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 verse 18. Thank you. Uh, I just put the wrong, <laughs> the wrong number down. By the way, earlier was Charlie drinking your water? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what distracted me. Sorry. <laughs> no, I heard the sound. So my dog just drank John's water. That's hysterical. <laughs> you may want to avoid drinking that cup. <laughs> That'd be all right. <laughs> so in verse 18. Uh, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Mm -hmm. I will make him and help meet for him. And the word meet is like proper or fitting. And so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meet for him. And the story goes on where he created woman. Okay. But I'm interested in the fact that every animal, and I don't claim to say that every variety, every species of animal was named by Adam that day. There could have been a representative, um, we would call a, a founding version of the different species. Yeah. You know, so like there could have been a single dog. And he called him a dog. Gotcha. And that turned into every variety of dog we know. Yeah. And it's an oversimplification. But even with that limitation, that's a lot of animals to name. Mm -hmm. So to come up with a name requires intellect, uh, vocabulary, mm -hmm. everything you, you would need, you know, to, to be an intelligent, sentient being. Yeah. So Adam was not a caveman rooting, you know, and, and grunting. You know, he was yeah. clearly an intelligent, sentient being. Yeah. Uh, and, and he had the ability to think, to probably to write. I'm sure he had. Well, he had a language, right? Yeah, he had I a mean, at, at, 
<clears throat> that point of creation, he had a language that he could assign words to right. things, animals. Exactly. And so he, he was intelligent, and I'm sure there were things he didn't yet know, mm-hmm. but he knew all that the Lord needed him to know to begin his, his intellectual journey of discovery in a godly way, mm-hmm. to go from there and to explore and to learn and to discover for God's purpose and for Christ's sake, mm-hmm. okay? But they decided they didn't want to wait on that because we know what then happened. The serpent beguiled Eve in the garden, and they took of the fruit, and they mm-hmm. ate, and sin was introduced into the human condition. But let's look at that scenario and look at it carefully in Genesis 3 because the temptation used is a clue about what we're getting into, both for are we, are we looking for dark knowledge dark matter, uh-huh. new dimensions, spiritual portals in an area where we shouldn't be looking, all right? And that mm-hmm. would be Genesis 3, verse 1. So now the serpent was more subtil. That's how it's pronounced in a King James Bible. That means underhanded. More subtil than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, which would be Eve, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. So immediately he changes the word of God. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, implying they were closed. They don't see something. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, we don't think about this often enough, but who were the gods? If there's only Adam and Eve, who else would the serpent have been referencing for them to compare themselves to, to say, hmm, I'm not a god, I want that knowledge. You know, if gods yeah. didn't exist or if they meant nothing to them, then that would not have been an enticement. So it would have to be angels? <clears throat> angels. And I believe the fallen angels in particular. Because okay. they, and you could certainly include God's angels that were faithful to him. Yeah. But he's offering them wisdom. And essentially, I would call that dark knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, the okay. dark side. Mm-hmm. so to speak. He wants, rather than waiting on the Lord to reveal his truth by his spirit, the serpent is saying, I'll let you in a little secret. I know some things that I can share with you that'll make you gods yeah. more than you are now. You're human, created a little lower than the angels we discovered yeah. in the last three episodes. And now you can rise above that. You can evolve. See, so the enticement never changes. It's always the same thing. And before we wrap up today, I want to delve into something that Ryan Peterson talked about. Really, one of the first interviews we ever did with him in his book, The Judgment of the Nephilim, because he alludes, he makes a very interesting point. I'm going to, you know, uh, put it in, summarize it in a smaller way. But go to chapter four of Genesis there. We know the story that the first children born unto Adam and Eve after they sinned are Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. And we know they were brothers, probably twins, and Cain slew his brother Abel. And then he gets cursed by God, and he's banished to the land of Nod. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some strange reason, his genealogy is followed 
to a certain point, and then he's dropped like a hot potato. Mm-hmm. And Genesis chapter 5 picks up with the descendants of Seth, the next child born or the next son born to Adam and Eve. And from Seth, the lineage goes all the way to Abraham. Okay. Okay. But interesting that Cain, who's cursed and d- driven from the presence of the Lord, uh, he's given a little bit of a genealogy. And we're not going to read the whole genealogy, but if you look in verse 10 of Genesis 4, um, here's the wrapping up of what happened after he killed Abel. He said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be. Um, and uh, in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Fair enough assessment, right? And the Lord said unto him, Whosoever uh, slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So I kind of summarized that a moment ago, but I wanted to read the passages to get to this point. He's banished. He's uh, cursed from the Lord. He's hid from the face of God. uh, Very much a picture of apostate Israel in many ways. But then verse 17 says, Cain knew his wife and she conceived to bury Nock. Mm-hmm. Not the Enoch of the Bible who walked with God. We'll see him maybe later. Okay. Another Enoch. Okay. Had no but idea. evidently an earlier Enoch. And what we're going to find that's very interesting as we read this list of names of his descendants, they are very similar in name and spelling to several names in Seth's lineage. That's, I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, they just couldn't come up with more creative names. I mean, Adam named every animal. <laughs> they couldn't come up with better names. So Enoch, uh, and then uh, Cain builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And Enoch was born Irad. Irad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. Now I'm going to stop there for a minute and go down to chapter 5. And look at uh, verse 6. Seth lived in 105 years. This is after, you know, after Cain. Yeah. And begat Enos. And skip down. Enos lived, verse 9, 90 years and begat Canaan. Skip down. Uh, 12. Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalaliel. Skip down to 15. And Mahalaliel lived 60 and 5 years and begat Jared. And you know, on and on, you'll come eventually to another Enoch and another Lamech. But it's just interesting that the lineage has some similar names. Almost as if Satan was trying to use a cursed lineage to say, oh no, we're godly. Yeah. We've got the godly guys too, right? So go back to chapter four, verse 19. Now let's pick up with Lamech again from Cain's lineage. Lamech took unto him two wives. So he's the first bigamist. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, the other wife, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. 
And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. And normally, sisters are never named. There's not one daughter of Adam and Eve that is ever named. Yeah. Only the sons. Um, and here, the wives are named, but the, the lineage goes to the... If you trace uh, genealogies, it's almost always the men. You know, the fathers, the sons, whoever. Yeah, yeah. But Naamah is thrown in the mix. The sister, <clears throat> almost as if to say, oh, you, you ought to know who that is, right? You remember Naamah. And it doesn't go into any detail. Now, Naamah, interestingly enough, means beautiful. From the okay. So we've got three brothers here that appear to be the originators of, from the standpoint of this time, advanced technology. The ability to farm and have cattle. The ability to play musical instruments, which is pretty advanced, yeah. you know, for, for, for a culture. And then finally, the father of every artificer in brass and iron, and artificer means like a craftsman, and I don't know how much people know about producing metal products and metallurgy, but that's an advanced science. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and what can you do with that? Well, from their perspective, they could make weapons of war. Now, the reason I brought all this up is because in the book of Enoch, um, we're going to see something to coincide with these three brothers and possibly even the daughter. Okay. But what, before we go to that, go to Genesis 6, and let me remind our readers, our listeners rather, um, we've talked about this so much, I feel like they could quote it, but Genesis 6 mm -hmm. verse 1 is the, yeah. the sons of God came to take the daughters of men, that they were fair and took them wives of all which they chose. Fair, beautiful. Yeah. And the, um, the result of that was the giants and the, the hybrid Nephilim and things mm -hmm. like that. They took them wives of all which they chose. They didn't just, because they're angels, couldn't they have just grabbed them and done anything they wanted to? Yeah. But they married them. Marriage is a contract. Yeah. The implication yeah. seems to be, and Ryan gives great credibility to this, that perhaps when the angels came down, the fallen angels, the first woman that was offered as a wife was Naama. Hmm. And the brothers traded their sister for knowledge. Is she mentioned in the book of Enoch? Not in the book of Enoch, but we're going to read an excerpt from the book of Enoch and maybe okay. put something together. Again, people understand that the book of Enoch is not considered canon of scripture, yeah. but it is very historically significant. Okay. And so in chapter three of the book of Enoch, let me just read a few passages. Okay. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives. And he's talking about these angels. They actually named some of them. They claim there mm -hmm. were 200, and they named some of the principal angels. I don't know if they're true names or not. Uh, but they took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one, and they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. And that matches the book of Jude saying they left their first estate or yeah. their own habitation. But watch verse 8. And they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. He's meaning... He could have taught the women and, you know, and yeah. they, they taught things to their husbands or whatever. Uh, verse 9, they became pregnant and they bare great giants whose height was 3,000 L's. I don't know how big that is. 
who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. So these, the book of Enoch says these giants became cannibals. Yeah. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood, meaning they began to eat each other. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. And that's important to know because if it's true, they didn't just sin against mankind, but against the other created animals. And we talked about dinosaurs mm-hmm. and Satan corrupting, well, and doing it again, perhaps, in the days of Noah, or but leading up to the days of Noah. What does that last phrase mean? Then the, then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones? It's like another way of saying that Abel's blood cried out from the earth unto God when Cain slew him. Oh, okay. It's sort of yeah. like there was a witness of testimony, and the, the blood in the earth gave testimony to the wickedness to God. One of these angels in the book of Enoch that sinned is named Azazel. Mm -hmm. And in verse 11, we read, Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them, artificer and brass and iron, and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and of all coloring tinctures. So we think about today, you know, um, makeup worn in a in a uh, enticing way mm-hmm. or tattoos or things that sort of corrupt or distort yeah. the natural image of, of humanity. Uh, there arose much godlessness and they committed fornication and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Simjaza, another angel, taught enchantments and root cuttings. Aramos, the resolving of enchantments. Barakijal taught astrology. Kokabel, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Arachiel, the signs of the earth. Shamsiel, the signs of the sun. And Sarael, the course of the moon. And all that seems to imply occult, sorcery, astrology, yeah. you know, everything. And, and, and it's, it's very much clear to me, and I think it's true even in the Bible, even though that's not what we're going to discuss today, <clears throat> that fallen angels have been misleading and guiding men with bad, dark knowledge for quite some time. Yeah. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. So I'll put in the show notes these excerpts from the book of Enoch. But when we go back to Genesis 6 again, getting back to the Bible, we read, not only did they come down and have these children that were giants, but in verse 9, um, it says in Genesis 6, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. His bloodline was pure. Yeah. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, matching what the book of Enoch just said. And God said unto Noah... The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, Mm -hmm. the angels. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Uh, Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms, and on and on shall it be. And um, notice he said, all flesh had corrupted his way in verse 12. Meaning, even the animals. So evidently, the, the things that we read in the book of Enoch might give some credibility to what was going on there. They were give, and and a, and when you read like Greek mythology and things and we talk about like Atlantis mm-hmm. and these ancient civilizations that lived in the golden age of yeah. man, 
Well, when the gods dwelt among us, they're talking about this time. It wasn't a golden age. Uh, because you see what happened. It turned violent, and they began to devour men, and began to oppress. And so it became a, a, a satanically controlled governmental system on the earth of hybrid titans. Now, are you talking about pre-man civilization? No, with man. With man. With okay. man. Okay. So between the creation of Adam and the flood of Noah was the so-called golden age. I believe that's when Atlantis existed. What, what's kind of going around or rolling around in my head right now is so the angels or these fallen angels came down and taught all this stuff to yes. mankind. So they obviously had a use for it, right? Or else they wouldn't understand cutting of roots and beautification of people's faces and how to make weapons of war. You mean arm. the angels? The angels, yeah. yeah. So they, you're not going to teach somebody something unless you have it already, right? Know it, used it, you, had exactly. experience with it. Well, I mean, why would you right. care about what roots to cut and mix with other plants <laughs> to make medicines and things like that unless you were doing it already? So you're getting right onto something that Timothy Alberino discussed in, in his book, Birthright, that our entire human civilization is patterned after angelic civilization. Okay. Warriors, armies, uh, technology, all of that. That which is new has been done before. You know, Ecclesiastes 1. So what we're finding is that there was an age when men got a hold of this secret wisdom. The yeah. forbidden knowledge, yeah. the dark wisdom from fallen angels. And what resulted was a corrupt, violent world that God destroyed. Yeah. Okay. I believe we are trying to approach quickly the, the opening of that dark knowledge again and a portal to let them back in again, yeah. possibly with CERN. And what we're going to do, we'll have to save for next time, but we're going to see that after God destroys the planet because he made the ark here with Noah, made the ark, yeah. and floods everything to destroy those wicked individuals and the hybrids, they quickly after that went to reach out again to ask the angels, come back, we want this knowledge again. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to show you in the book of Genesis where that was. So is that the Tower of Babel? Yes, the Tower of Babel. And okay. we'll, we'll go look at that next week, Lord willing, and we'll pick up there. Because that's a precursor to me to what CERN is attempting to do. Yeah. In my opinion. So wow. tune in. Good stuff. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks, John. Absolutely. Thanks for the input. Thank you for listening today. And until next time, you take care. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.